Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Now, let me just let me just kind of help you just for a moment, because I'm a stickler for this. Because you know we do sense some things that are coming. You need to pray. Now, I know people they they kind of many times hear the word prayer, it's kind of generic, and they, well, you know, we pray it, eh, pray when we bless our food, and, and every once in a while I may, I may talk to the Lord. I mean, I'm talking about you need, now listen to me, church, you need a disciplined, orchestrated prayer life, and God's not going to initiate it, you have to. Amen. Amen. Now, all this will be our fourth prayer class we've had. We do this on the first uh, Sunday of every month, and this will be our first one uh, for, you know, this is the first Sunday of November. So be sure and come tonight. All of them have turned out to be real powerful Holy Ghost meetings. We'll do a, we'll do a praise or worship song, and then we'll teach a little bit. Then we'll pray a little while, and we'll pray till we kind of sense that, that, that gear change, and no telling what the Spirit of God will do. We've heard great prophecies. We've had words of knowledge and words of wisdom that just, some of them were literally answered the next day. I mean, it's powerful what God's doing. So listen, I know that we have prayer on, 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 thir- on, excuse me, on Sunday mornings. at uh, We start at 9 o'clock on Wednesday nights at 6.30, and then we do this once a month. But I encourage everyone, get in these prayer meetings. Learn how to pray with your church. It'll, it'll leach over into your personal life. Now listen, the more you pray, the more you're going to want to pray. The less you pray, the less you're not going to want to pray. It's like anything else you do. The more you do it, the more you want to do it. And I've said it like this. I guess I need to teach on it a little more. Maybe we'll do that maybe after the first of the year. Prayer begins as a labor in your life. If you never experienced that, then you've never labored in prayer because labor gets you to the place where prayer is no longer a a, a labor in your life. It gets you to a place where prayer is a passion in your life. Now listen, I'm in every prayer meeting that I'm here in town. I mean, the only way I would not be in a prayer meeting would be I would be out of town. Are you with me? Now, I'm not just doing that as an example or as the pastor of the church. I know the benefit. I know the benefit of continual prayer and developing the art of intercession. You have to develop that. And people say, well, I'm not an intercessor. That's not true. Every person who's born again is called to be an intercessor. What it means to be an intercessor is to stand in the gap for another or to pray for someone else. And you will find out, this is such an an amazing truth. You will find out that the more you pray and intercede for other people, the easier it is to get your needs met. God just kind of automatically looks out over those people that intercede. We've got a lot to pray for, church. Our nation, the harvest, what's going on in this world, being part of the end times, the last of the last days, it demands that God, God's people pray and cry out to God for His answers in this day and hour. A lot of people are trying all these programs and this and that, and then there's been some stuff that's gone over into the prophetic. I listened to some things. Some of it I, I agree with. Some of it I think, man, maybe you ought to read the Bible. Because any prophecies or any foretelling of anything, if it's not backed up by the Word of God, amen, that it's, it's not relevant to the body of Christ. I don't care who prophesies it. Now, we're entering into a time also, church, this is the area. The Bible says in these last days, unless God were to shorten the days, even the very elect could be deceived. 
And I listened to some teaching. Actually, it wasn't this week. This week was a very busy week for us, but it was the week before. And a guy was, uh, the, inter- the individual I was listening to, I have a lot of confidence in his ministry. And he was speaking and talking about how we have to get ready as a church for false doctrine. You say, why? False doctrine will come. And false doctrine is always sensational. Woo! That's the greatest thing I ever, well, if it's the greatest thing you ever heard, you might ought to check up and see if it's God. Amen. Because God tends to be very practical and applicable. And then we have to prepare ourselves for the false manifestations of signs and wonders and miracles. Remember, they'll be false. I said, remember, they'll be false. I said, remember, they'll be false. So in the midst of it, there's going to have to be a truth. So you can compare the two and say, well, you know, I, I don't know about But man, I tell you, I, I knew that person and they got delivered or they got saved or they got set free. God will always, always, always show up in a powerful way every time the enemy tries to bring counterfeit. Amen. 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 And then I'm going to probably, oh, it may be December. I'm going to do a series on the subject of death. Because a lot of people don't understand, you know, we see people die, whether they're someone that has lived out their life or whether it's somebody whose life was taken from them. But listen, if they are in Christ, if you study the writings of Paul, he admonishes us, admonishes us to rehearse one to another two different things. One, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and to be present with the Lord is not better, but far better. Far better. Amen? And then secondly, to realize and recognize that heaven in reality is an eternal destination. Now, I was praying the other day, and I'd been reading some stuff, and I'm going to get to my message in a minute. You know, I'm the pastor. I can do this. Amen? If I was in somebody else's church, I wouldn't do it. But I'm in my church, amen, so y'all are used to it. <laughs> but you know, I was studying some stuff in Revelation, and, 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 and Pops had gone to heaven, and I was just reading over a couple of scriptures, and I was thinking about some things, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, did you realize that the entire book of Revelation was a revelation of Christ from the standpoint of John the Revelator being caught up? He was in heaven, Did you know the entire book of Revelations, the origin of it was heaven? God speaking to a vessel on the earth, revealing to him the glory and the activity of a city that exists out there in the universe called heaven. That's where our loved ones are, and that's where we're going. And the Bible says also encourage each other with the reality that one day God will gather all the saints in heaven. My mom and dad, all of those wonderful uh, brother Hagen, sister Hagen, brother Goodwin, sister Goodwin, all of the people that we love and know, he's going to gather them in heaven. Then he's going to bring them in the clouds to the earth. Then he's going to catch us up. First, he's going to just empty out all the graveyards bring their bodies up to their spirits that will be up in the cloud and then we will not be in any way restrained from that. We will be changed in the moment of a twinkling of an eye and be forever with the Lord. He said, well, you'd have to be crazy to believe all that. You'd have to be crazy not to believe it. It's in the Word of God and that's our future. Amen. Praise God. So that'll all be fun. Did you find Matthew chapter Nine. Now, we're doing what I'm calling some of my classic, classic sermons, messages. I like to call them messages. Sermons are things that man come up with. Messages is what God gives. Amen? And uh, I wanted to kind of set the stage 
Matthew chapter 9, and then we'll go to Mark chapter 10. Those are the two scriptures we'll use today. So if you want to grab the other one. But I'm going to start up here in verse, uh, let me find it. Verse uh, 32 of Matthew chapter 9. As they went out, behold, they brought to him or to Jesus a dumb man. Now notice this, possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees, everybody say the Pharisees. There's always going to be opposition to anything God does. Whether he does it spectacularly in a church or just supernaturally in our lives. There's always going to be the naysayers. Amen. So notice, here's the Pharisees. He, they said, he casteth out, he cast, casteth out the devils through the prince of devils. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, now notice this, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now do you see that? Let me read it again. Now notice, and Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Amen. Ought to get a better amen. amen. Especially if you're suffering with some kind of sickness or disease, or you've been diagnosed or told you have something you've got to live with. I've got a scripture in the Bible that says Jesus heals every disease. Amen. Amen. You just, you just got to get the faith you need to muster that faith and receive your healing. Amen. Everybody say, I believe I receive. Now, but notice the three principles here. These are great truth principles. Jesus went about teaching. Now notice this, preaching and healing. I like what Brother John Osteen said. Pastor John, Pastor John Osteen said, this is, the, this is the, uh, the information of the Word of God, the inspiration of the Word of God, and the demonstration of the Word of God. Now, listen, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father right now. He's not down here on the earth walking around doing this, but He is doing it, how? Through us. We are Christ in the earth. And all three of these things, the teaching, the preaching, and the healing, are the activity of the Lord Jesus Christ that did not stop one day when some apostle passed away. It still continues today. Jesus is still teaching us by His Spirit. He is, he is preaching to us by the Word of God. And He is demonstrating His glory by healing, delivering, and setting men and women free. Amen. Everybody say glory. glory. That's, what he, that's what He desires to do. Now, Real quick, go to Mark chapter 10. I like Mark. This is one of my favorite stories. And let me encourage you, if you like entertainment, one of the best entertainments is to take your Bible and maybe go somewhere, go up on the beach or go somewhere and, and take it and open it up and go to a Jesus story. Everybody say Jesus story. About the four, four books of the Bible are full of them. Amen and read those stories and meditate and close your eyes and use your imagination. You've got a highly developed imagination. Amen? Amen. I'm sure nobody here ever projected themselves into a movie. <laughs> of course we all have. Amen? No, you begin to think, 
You know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go there. I'll say that in my heart sometimes. I'm just going to go there. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go right here and this road, this old dusty road coming out of Jerusalem. I've been there physically so I can, I can, you know, use my imagination to remember what that road looked like. It comes out of Jericho, then it makes a big uh, right-hand turn that goes, and it goes, you're, you're down and you go up to Jerusalem. Jericho represents the, 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 the depravity of man and all that he's fallen to. And Jerusalem, you rise up to the city of God. Well, some of you have been there know what I'm talking about. Amen? So we must understand that every one of these scriptures, every one of these stories are designed to impart revelation knowledge to us so that faith can grow, so that we can grab hold of the same thing they got out of the Bible, out of the, out of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus' ministry has not ended. Uh, yeah, let me try that again. Jesus' ministry has not ended. The Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, pastor, you said he's seated at the right hand of the Father. How, how, how is he here with us? In the form of a message. He was the Word, is the Word, forever will be the Word. All things exist and find their consistency in him. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1 in the Amplified, he upholds, maintains, propels, and guides the entire universe by his mighty word of power. Amen. Now, if he can do that with his word, he's given us his word for healing, salvation, deliverance, whatever we need. If he can keep the universe moving, certainly he can deliver us from whatever the enemy tries to attack us with. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 10, this is the story of blind Bartimaeus. You know, I went and read it in several translations. And I'm going to tell you, I think the King James is the best. I was like, huh, okay, well, I'll do it in the King James. Amen. In verse, uh, is that 46? It's either a flea or it's 46. Glory to God. <laughs> and as they came to Jericho, that's the entourage that's there with Jesus. As they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of and a great and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Now this would not have been an unusual sight. Amen. This would, not been, this would not have been something strange. In that day, if you read the history of the day, the history of what was going on in Israel, the roads were covered with beggars, covered with men and women who because of the, of the conquest of the, of the nation of Rome and all they had done to, to basically conquer the world, they were impoverished. They had nothing. But this guy, he even had less than that. He had a, he had a birth defect. Blind Bartimaeus was born blind. Amen. And therefore, it didn't really matter what the economy of his nation would have been. It wouldn't have mattered what the government... He was still blind, so he was still going to have to beg. He was still going to... So this guy is a blind beggar. He's lived his whole life like that. And you can imagine how that would form your, form your, your mentality, your thought processes. Everything is geared from the standpoint or cut off of the angle of your disability. Amen. Now notice this. It says in many charts, no, excuse me, I'm missing one there. And when he heard, or when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, now notice, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now listen, we, we, we showed this to you last week with the 10 lepers. Remember the 10 lepers? Jesus, master, have mercy on us. 
But what they did not say was, hey, Jesus, I'm a leper. Bartimaeus didn't say, hey, Jesus, I'm a blind man. Do something about my blindness. Notice they did not approach him on the basis of their need. Now, let me say that again. They did not, sometimes that feels real spiritual or religious or whatever you want, but it's not. It's not according to what I like to call the protocol of faith. Not at all. They both, both this one and the ten lepers, approached Jesus based on who he was, not based on their problem. Now Bartimaeus, now notice what Bartimaeus, how he addresses Jesus. I think this is really cool. Jesus, amen, Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Then he says this, thou son of David. Now why would he say that? What reference would he have? What what would inspire him to use the terminology, thou son of David? Well, all through the prophets, the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all of those major prophets, prophets, if you'll study them, and then if you'll get into the minor prophet, prophets, you'll understand the correlation between the lineage of David's family and Jesus. Amen? Literally, David's family, obviously God kept his hand on that family all of those years, ever since they got out of Egypt, when they settled there in that Bethlehem area, part of the tribe of Judah, as they begin to grow their family, eventually uh, Jesse's dad, I mean, excuse me, David's dad, Jesse, had settled in that area and literally built his family, his sons, his business, everything that he did. And right there in that area is where Jesus was born, foretold, prophesied that he would be, first of all, born into a family that became a royal family. Now, now, now let me help you because this, this, this may be some good shouting ground right here. David did not inherit the throne. Now, let me say it again. David did not inherit. His father, Jesse, was not the king of Israel. Are you with me? Therefore, we have a king that did not get his kingly authority through inheritance. It was appointed to him. It was given to him. God showing us today because we are what? We are a royal priesthood. We are kings and priests before God. How can he be the king of kings unless he's got some kings to be king over? And the Bible says we are to reign in life as kings by one Jesus Christ Lord. You say, well, I ain't got no royalty in my family lineage. Yes, you do. It's in your bloodline. Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, when you got born again, you got grafted in to David's heavenly family, which Jesus is your elder brother. I don't, I don't listen. I don't envy any royal family on the earth. Oh, if I could just be part of the England's royal family, I wouldn't take a step down for nobody. I said, I wouldn't take a step down for nobody. 
I mean, my, my, my Lord and Savior is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And if you want to find something any higher than that, just go to his Father. He's the judge of the universe. He does all things after the counsel of his own will. He is wisdom and love and light and life and manifestation. Honey, if you're going to serve anybody, you might ought to find somebody like that to serve. Amen. Amen. So how did he get that revelation? Well, that is taught. That was taught by the traveling rabbis. That was taught by the, by the, uh, uh, the rabbinical schools in Jerusalem. That was taught by the rabbis in their little synagogues in all the little towns that were around. That there would be one that would come. That he would be the lineage of David. He would be of that kingly, priestly lineage. See, David was the, was the king priest or actually the priest king. Amen. He would be part of that and he would be in that family and he would be known as the Messiah or the Redeemer or the Anointed One or the one that would come and bear the iniquity and sins of the world and set, and set the captive free and heal the sick so that his father might be glorified and have the family that he desired on the earth. And that's us. I said, that's us. So he's got revelation. Everybody say revelation. He has a basis. Now listen to me. This is so good. He has a basis which gives him the legal right to approach God. Now let me say that again. He has a foundation. He has a revelation that gives him a legal right to approach God. Amen. To get God to do something about his current need. No matter what his current need may have been. His major need was he was blind and needed to see. I'm, I'm pretty sure Bartimaeus, being the guy he was, I'll show you in just a minute, I'm pretty sure he figured once I get my eyes back, you know, I can, I can take care of this. I can live this life. I guarantee Bartimaeus, he's probably in the upper room. He was probably there in the church of Jerusalem. He was right there among all those that had been touched by Jesus and by his power. So he comes to him, Jesus... Now notice, son of David, then again, this is so good. He's the dispenser of God's mercy. You know, I've been thinking about that term. What, a, what an opening statement to make in which people need mercy. I mean, if somebody comes to you with some great problem, starts to just kind of, you know, kind of dump it on you, tell them about all that's going on, how bad it is. They, maybe they've been sick with COVID or they've had some financial setback or been fired from the job. Or something. You, you need to tell them, man, you have need of mercy. And good news. Everybody say good news. I've got good news. I know the dispenser of God's mercy. Would you like to meet Jesus? Yeah, I better, I better not go to a soul winning class because it'll work. Now notice this. So when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. Now, I love that God allowed this to be in the Word of God, showing us that many times immediately upon your profession of faith, there's opposition. I've had people say that to me before, say, well, Pastor, you know, I, I obeyed God and I, and, I, and I put my medicine down or I, or I gave them a, a large check and I did this and I did that and it looked like everything got worse as soon as I obeyed God. It's a pretty good indication you obeyed God. 
Pretty good indication. Do you know the devil's not going to just sit around and let you obey God day after day, week after week, month after month without bringing some kind of opposition to your life? He'll come against your mind. He'll come against your finances. He'll come against your life. He'll come against about just about anything that he can to try to get you to back off the Word of God, to try to get you to quit. But if you will not quit, you will get what you have believed God for. Come on, church. That's exactly what the enemy tries to do is to try to get you to quit, to try to get you to back off. He knows that if you don't quit, if you don't back off, you're going to get a miracle. You're going to get a breakthrough. God's going to show up and do something supernatural in your life. Lee and I have seen it over and over physically, financially, in our ministry, in our families. Everywhere we've gone, everything that we've said, God, we've got to have you here. He's always showed up and done exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. Amen? So what do you do when there's opposition? Many charged him. Many charged him. Shut up, Bartimaeus. Shut up, Bartimaeus. This is a holy procession. This is a, this is a you know, a religious procession. We don't need blind beggars disturbing the service. Amen? But now notice what Bartimaeus did. He cried, the more a great deal, thou son of David... Have mercy on me. Amen. You know, I was thinking about Pastor Dodie Osteen's book about being healed of cancer and her testimony and the word that she used about the initial diagnosis, metastatic cancer of the liver, so advanced there's really no reason to even treat you. She said those words hit me and I felt them physically coming out of a doctor's mouth. But this is what she said. I thought this is one of the most outstanding uh, uh, revelations that came out of her entire ordeal. She said this, the doctor's report overwhelmed us. It was, over, it was a death sentence. You're going to die. Doesn't matter if you get treatment. Doesn't matter. You're going to die. The doctor's report, this is what she said. The doctor's report, she was told the testimony in, in depth at our, to our Bible school class. The doctor's report overwhelmed us emotionally, physically, in just about every way. But this is what she said. She said, I knew I had to get into the Word of God and speak that Word every day until the day came in which I was more overwhelmed by what the Word said than what I was the doctors, what the doctors said. She said this. I thought it was so cool. She said, when that doctor gave that diagnosis, she was in a wheelchair at the time. She said, they wheeled me out into the hall and I could hear in my mind this, 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 this voice. Cancer! Cancer! You're going to die! You're going to die! Amen? I mean, she said it was screaming in my mind. But she said, after a few months of the Word of God, you that have read her book know all those 143 scriptures that she confessed every day, still confesses them to this day. Amen? She said, the word cancer was like this. Cancer. Cancer. And the words, by his stripes, I am healed, begin to rise up on the inside. God hath delivered me from the power of darkness. That means cancer. I've been translated into the dominion of his dear son. That's healing. She said, I had to go through the process to get more overwhelmed by the word of God than I was by the situation. 
Some of you, you know, you've got to understand, well, pastor, I thought I could just get prayed for at the altar. That might just be a beginning point for you to begin the process of getting more overwhelmed by the word of God than you are by your current circumstance. You say, well, pastor, I don't have time for that. You need to make time for that. If you don't, look what may happen to you because of the situation. You need to rise up in your spirit. You need to take the word of God. You need to begin to make application of it to the problem and then don't give up. Stay with it. Stay with it. Worshiping God, thanking God that you believe you receive. And God said, you will have it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I tell you, you'll have it in Jesus' name. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but you need to hear it. Now notice this. I've always been very, very impressed with verse 49. And Jesus stood still and commanded. Now notice that, notice that terminology. Jesus stood still. That means he's moving with this procession down the road, coming out of Jerusalem, and, and he hears this, this, Jesus. Amen. Son of David, have mercy on me. And he could hear the crowd going. So I could, I could see him kind of slow his gait down. Just kind of slow his gait down a little bit. Then he hears this. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And all of a sudden he just stops. And then he begins, I love the word. You ought to go study it. He begins to command. That's not making a, a request. That means he began to use his authority to begin to take over the direction of the current situation. Now, now, now let me say that again. That's the literal Greek meaning of that word. He began to use his authority to take over the entire situation. Listen, your cry of faith could stop the creator of the universe and get him to start commanding on your behalf. Command the pain to go. Command the disease to leave. Command the financial breakthrough. You just got to be willing to stay in that place in which he is speaking into your life and rehearse that word back and declare in the name of Jesus, I'm not quitting or giving up. I don't care how loud the crowd screams. It doesn't matter to me. I'd like to say it like this. He redoubled his effort. The Bible says he cried the more a great deal. Amen. Actually, we said, you think I'm a pest now? I'm thinking to show you what a pest is really like. Amen. They commanded him to be called. They called the blind man saying unto him, be of good comfort, riseth. He calleth thee. Now, used to, when I first started preaching this message, I used to talk about how the crowd changed. The Lord spoke to me and said, the crowd didn't change. There's always two crowds. So one crowd was resisting what God wanted to do. The other crowd was the encouraging. That needs to be us. We need to be the ones that are with earshot of what Jesus says when he starts commanding on behalf of other people. Did you get that? When he starts commanding on behalf of other people, we need to be the people that he can command so that he can help those people. Boy, those are some very subdued amens on that one. Amen. Everybody was shouting last time. Amen. Now notice. They call the blind man saying unto him, be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. This is an important scripture here in verse 50. And he... Casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. This is a significant act. That's why they put this in the Bible. Both the Roman government and the Sanhedrin, which were the religious leaders of Israel, which they allowed limited power to help them govern. 
They both agreed that they should not only categorize and qualify those that begged, but kind of what we would call licensing them, you know, give them a license to do it. And that license was a particular garment they were allowed to wear, that if you wore that garment, that identified you as a beggar. That's what you were. You wore the beggar's, go study, you go study what's called the beggar's cloak. He wore the beggar's cloak. But now notice his act of faith. Man, this guy was bold. I mean, this just wasn't some guy thinking, well, I hope I won't get something from God. This guy obviously had a revelation in his spirit that he was going to get healed and never be a beggar again. Now, many times what inhibits you mm -mm -mm, from receiving a miracle from God is that what you choose to continue to cover yourself with that God says you're not that anymore so you can't wear that anymore. And you got some old clothes you hadn't taken off yet. And you're wondering why you hadn't got your miracle. Amen. 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 It may be that old coat you're wearing. You say, what do you mean that old coat you're wearing? Well, you know, I, I love the Lord, you know. But I, I still believe he doesn't mind if, you know, every once in a while we sip a little wild turkey. Because I need it. Things are stressful. Times are tough. Amen. He said, are you preaching against alcohol? You know, our, our pastors at First Assembly were so wise, so, so well studied in the Word of God. You know, Brother J.R. Goodwin, he, he taught our church and he taught our young people about alcohol. This is what he said. He said, you know, alcohol is such a, such a destructive force in our society. It's very destructive. People think they can play with it or do it recreationally or do it socially. He says, but in reality, there's a spirit to it. And a lot of times places will even name, uh, 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 you know, places where they sell it, you know, spirits for sale, stuff like that. I mean, it's obvious. But this is what he said. He said, you know, uh, being in Pentecost and everybody preaching against it, nobody ever says why. Well, we know he began to give different reasons, physically different reasons, socially. But he said, now, listen, I want to give you a spiritual reason of why you should not uh, smoke cigarettes or drink alcohol or do drugs, illicit drugs of any kind, and be careful with the drugs the doctor gives you. Two nods and a uh-huh. <laughs> Amen. This is what he said. I, it's, I mean, I heard it when I was like 13 years old, and I've never forgotten it. So, so it's got to be something spiritual to it because things that are not spiritual, it's easy to forget. So what he said. He said, the alcohol industry is a system. He said the tobacco industry is a system. He says there's systems. He said the, the, the drug industry, both the legal drug and the illegal drug, these are, these are economic and social and, and also uh, enterprises and systems. Now, this is what he said. The alcohol industry demands the death of thousands of people every year through, through disease, through accident. He said how many people, this is what he said. He was speaking to our CAs, Christ Ambassadors was our youth group. He said, uh, he said, how many end up in the divorce court every year because of alcohol? How many, how many children and parents are estranged from one another because of alcohol? And he just began to go through all of the different. And then he said this. This is what really clinched, clinched me to help me understand. I don't need to be drinking. He said that, 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 that industry demands the death of thousands of people. And the Bible says every seed reproduces after its own kind. Amen. So you put your money into it. You put your money into it. 
You put your money into it. And what is the, what is the desire? What is the design of the devil? To steal, kill, and destroy. So now you put, a, you put a tool in the devil's hand to steal, kill, and destroy from you. Tobacco will do it. Drugs will do it. Pornography will do it. Come on, church. He said, well, you just preach against all that stuff. No, we don't preach against it. We preach for Jesus. But the closer you get to Jesus, the more that stuff drops off. To, you lose the desire because you got a greater desire for God. How would we get off on that? Jesus, help us. Praise God. It was good anyway. I need to close this down. Amen. Here we go. It says, when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Many charged him that he should hold his peace. He cried the more great death, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still, commanded him to be called, and they called the blind men, saying, be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. That's our message. He's calling you. He's calling you. And he cast away his garment, rose, came to Jesus. Now notice this. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Now here's where a lot of people go, Now wait a minute. Couldn't Jesus see he was a blind beggar? Sure he could. But Jesus was not only doing something miraculous in this man's life. He knew by the Spirit of God that this would be recorded and it would be used down through the centuries to cause faith to come to people's hearts. Amen? He knew it. He knew it. So when he called him up there and he's standing there, I bet Jesus is going, all right, this ain't a hard, this not, this not a hard one here. This is an easy one. But you know, so many people miss it. I've seen them miss it. The Spirit of God, what do you want me to do for you now? And you're like, well, just bless me. Please don't ever do that. What are you believing God for? Be specific. No matter what, a car, a home, a mate, whatever you believe in God for, that's a major lifestyle change in your life, your destiny. All, listen, listen, you got to get in there. You got to dig it out. You got to be specific. I never forget. When I was a kid in Bible school, we had an evangelist come named R.W. Shambach. Does anybody remember Brother Shambach? Amen. People at Lake, Lakewood used to call him Brother Shucklebuck. Brother Shucklebuck's coming. He was telling the testimony of holding a crusade in Philadelphia, big tent they'd set up there. They were teaching and preaching. Philadelphia, the, the city had gone through a real economic downturn. And a man came up in a prayer line and said, uh, 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 you know, uh, Brother Shambach asked him, what are you here for? He said, I'm here to receive a job. And he said, well, what kind of job would you like? He said, well, you know, whatever the Lord has. So Brother Shambach said, I took my hand, I put it on his head. I said, Lord, give him the best $7 an hour garbage collecting job in Philadelphia. And the guy said, he took his hand off my head. <laughs> he said, I'm a computer analyst. I'm not a garbage collector. He said, why didn't you say so? He said, why didn't you say so? He said, well, I'm saying so now. So Brother Shambach prayed for him and God gave that man a job in the computer business. That, God, that guy supported his ministry until Brother Shambach went to heaven. Amen. Be specific. What are you believing God for? Listen, we've talked a lot about what's going on with our minds and all the stuff that's going on out in the world. Man, I saw some statistics lately about how depression. I'm dealing right now with people personally who are locked in their houses because of anxiety. Their loved ones have contacted me. They don't go to church anywhere or do anything, but their loved ones are contacting me saying, can you help our father? Can you help our uncle? Can you help our friend? Can you help them? They've been locked down for almost two years. They're about to lose their mind. And if God does not intervene, I don't know what we're going to do. 
This is happening everywhere. Listen, be specific. If the devil is tormenting your mind, cry out to God. Say, God, teach me how to strengthen my mind against the devil. I've done it. Every situation of life I could think of, I'd say, God, help me. I need your help. Then I would get specific, line upon line, precept upon precept. Lord, this is what I need. But I don't tell him how to do it. Look at Bartimaeus. He knew what he needed, didn't he? He knew exactly what he needed. Jesus said, what wealth thou shalt that I should do unto thee? Boy, that's, 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 that's where you want to get in your life, isn't it? It says, the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Jesus said unto him, go thy way. Now here we go again. Thy faith. Why didn't the Holy Ghost inspire Mark to say it was the power of God? How many know it was? Blind men do not receive their sight unless it's the power of God. Amen? I've, I've had, that I know of, two people that were blind healed in our meetings over the years. One of them we never prayed for. We never ministered to. She sat there for three solid days, night and day, actually four solid days, night, night and day, because she told us the afternoon of the, of the Wednesday. So she had one more service to go. So it was, it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday morning, Monday night, Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. So she was in seven services. And so the pastor and I are walking out the door and she'd kind of lingered around outside. And as I walked out, she said, I want to tell you boys something. And we said, yes, ma'am. And she said, both of my eyes were blind with cataracts, but while you were teaching the word, they both, the cataracts fell off and I can see perfectly now. Amen. Now, another woman was ministered to as the Spirit of God was moving in a service powerfully. I never touched her, never laid hands on her. Actually ministered to another lady with Crohn's disease. As the power of God hit that lady with Crohn's disease, this woman was healed of, of literally blindness. She had limited vision. She sat on the front row because the light of the screen gave her a reference point. Ushers would help her in, help her out. Spirit of God hit her. She started screaming. I thought something was wrong with her. She ran in the back, started screaming louder. What she was doing was reading the words off the screen. So when somebody gets their sight, brother, I'm going to tell you, that's the Holy Ghost. That's God in manifestation doing what God can do. But he didn't reference that. He wanted to make sure we knew what it was that got the man healed. What healed the man is simple. Jesus. Pastor, what healed him? How did it happen? Jesus. How did it happen? Jesus. He went to Jesus. Jesus healed him. Jesus touched him. He had a revelation of Jesus. He heard of Jesus. He acted on what he heard. He got a miracle. You say, it just can't be that simple. It is. If it wasn't that simple, you wouldn't get it. God knew that, so he made it simple. Go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. I read a commentary this morning. I was looking at some of the stuff about the story. And there's two Greek words in there that kind of frame the word wholeness. And it references the reality that everything the man ever missed out on as a blind beggar, God restored to his life. He made him whole. Not just healed. The word whole literally in the Greek means the entire assembly of parts. Remember we talked about the, the leper last, last week about how we could find nine lepers, all glorious testimonies, but they, we could tell they used to be a leper. 
but then there'd be one. All the scars of leprosy were gone. Anything that was missing was restored. He was not just cleansed and healed. He was made whole. Just like leprosy is a type of sin, so is blindness. Brother Frank, you can play if you will. So is blindness. You just don't see. The Bible talks about in the book of 1 Corinthians how it's the God of this world that has blinded the eyes of men and women so that they cannot see the light, the glorious light of the gospel. You may be here this morning. I don't know where you are with God. All I can tell you is this. You need to be closer to Him today than you were yesterday and you need to get closer to Him tomorrow. Times demand it. I know we live in Texas. Things, things that have gone on in Texas go literally against the grain of everything the devil's trying to do in the earth today. Thank God for the leadership we have. Thank God for people that are there doing what they're doing. I heard somebody, a commentator, say this about Texas. Texas has become the thorn in the flesh of everything the devil wants to do in the earth. Wasn't a political commentary. I heard a minister say that on, on, uh, on a radio program. Texas has become the thorn in the flesh of that which Satan is trying to do on the earth. Thank God we live here. Don't take it for granted that we live here. Everything's going to be this way. Amen. We need to get closer to God. Every day, get closer to God. Pray. Come pray with us tonight. Come learn how to pray. Come to services. Read your Bible. Become a witness. You know, I was thinking about Pops. We did his, we did his, uh, we did his memorial on Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday. And you know, it, 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 it preached to the people. It spoke to the people. So many people that, that don't know God the way we do commented back to us, to our family, of how that touched their lives. So even in death, his life spoke life. Did, did you hear what I said? I mean, that, that was his legacy, that even in death, his, his life spoke life to people. That's what God wants for all of us. And he wants all of us, all of us, to be protected, to be safe. He knows, listen, in the Word of God, all the things that were foretold about this time and the one that is the most daunting is men's hearts will fear, fail them for fear of that which is coming. They see it coming. They see it coming. Listen, the world's not stupid. They're not. People aren't dumb. They see it coming. They see it coming. Their hearts are failing them for fear. They see it coming. They see it coming. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to do it. They don't know. Day after day, the information keeps flowing. Day after day, things keep, keep, things keep changing. Things keep happening. People don't know what side to believe. So many lies are being told. There's truth that's being said. But people do not know how to sift through it. They don't know how. They have no guide. We have a guide. I said, there's places on the earth that if you go, don't go without a guide. I went to Africa and had a wonderful time ministering there. Then they sent me to a beautiful park. It was like 250 square miles. It was huge. Elephants and lions and all this kind of stuff. I'm glad I had a guide. I'd have gone in there and got ate by a lion in about 30 minutes. Been the last you heard of me, amen? But I had a guide. He knew where the danger was. He knew, I tell you something, I've never told this. I'll tell you this. The first group of elef elephants that we saw, I was fascinated with them. I was like, elephants? We're not at the zoo. These are real elephants, you know. I was freaking out. So there was this group of elephants, and there was some brush here. We were on a road that went like this, and it turned like this. And in that little park, 
in which the, the road kind of divided at an angle, these elephants were right there. So he was, it was just he and I in a, in a Toyota Land Cruiser. So he eased up there real easy, real slow. And I'm kind of going, because these elephants are moving around. And then this big elephant, this big elephant, jumped out of the brush, and she was a female, threw her ears out. And when she threw her ears out, all of the veins in her ear went boom. And when that happened, he jammed that vehicle in reverse and stomped the accelerator. And she helped us out of the way. She had a little pup there in the, in the brush, see? Amen. Glad I had a guide. Glad I had a guide. You're going to need a guide to get through what's going on in this earth. Financially, physically, every way. It all has to do with your relationship with God. God loves you so much. He is the only one that can give you the true value of who you are. Quit trying to get it from governments. Quit, quit trying to get it from people that only use you to manipulate, to intimidate, to control. Don't do that. Go to God. He will vindicate you. He will validate you. So I'd like to give two altar calls. Number one, if you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you say, well, I don't know if I have or not. You haven't. If someone were to ask you, are you saved? Are you born again? And you go, well, I don't know. You're not. And that's not trying to belittle you in any way. That's trying to help you understand, number one, you're a sinner. You need a Savior. His name is Jesus. The Bible says it's so simple that a fool, a wayfaring man, can figure it out. It's so simple. All you have to do is to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God Almighty raised His Son Jesus from the dead. You say, well, what about church and prayer and all those things? No, you let God work all that out. you got to get saved first. Jesus is the one that coined the phrase, you must be born again. You say, I don't understand born again. Neither did Nicodemus, the one he said it to. But we are born into a human family. Every one of us, our origin is our mother. We come from our fathers. Our, 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 our blood, the blood of the human race is tainted with the iniquity of Satan himself. Motivation to sin. So we're, we're born cursed. We're born fallen. We're born separated from God. I was witnessing to a man the other day. And I asked him, I said, I knew he had raised two daughters. I said, did you ever teach your daughters to lie? And he kind of startled him. He said, no, I had to teach them not to. I said, that's the proof of the fall. That's the proof of iniquity. You don't have to teach a child to lie or to cheat or to steal. It's inherent in them. That's why every person on the earth, when they come to that age of accountability, the age in which they know that's right, but I'm going to do wrong, that's when their spirit man dies. The Bible says you must be born again. You are separated from God through spiritual death. The new birth joins you to God and you have life, spiritual life. I like what one minister said years ago. Jesus didn't die to make bad people good. He died to make dead people alive. The whole human family is dead in their trespasses and sins. But there's another family. Good news. There's another family. There's the family of God. And you can choose to get into that family by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. I'll give you an opportunity in just a moment. Then there are those who've done that. You've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, but you've just not lived for God. I don't know what may be the 
situation of your life in which you've not done it, but you've just not done it. And you know in your spirit, well, I, I, I am saved, but I, I'm not right with God. You're like the prodigal son. I was like that for many years. And one day, I came to myself. And I said, self, you're in a lot of trouble. And you know the answer. His name is Jesus. And with all the complexity of what was wrong with my life, 37 years ago, Jesus stepped in, made a way where there seemed to be no way. If, you're, if you knew God at one time and you're not living right, you've broken fellowship. But God has not broken His relationship with you. He loves you. And He's looking for you just to respond to Him. And He will restore you. I'm going to give the altar call in just a moment. I'm going to have everyone bow their head and close their eyes. And all I want you to do to respond to either one of those two altar calls is to raise your hand. We're not going to call you up to the altar at this time at all. What we're going to do is we're all going to pray a prayer. Stand together and united, we will pray a prayer of salvation together. But before I do that, I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads in reverence to the Lord. Close their eyes in respect to people around them. And if you feel the need to raise your hand, when you do, just put it up and put it back down. You don't have to raise it twice. But if you're here today and you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you need to be restored because you're not living right, you're not doing right, but you want to live right, you want to do right, and you would like me to pray for you today, would you lift your hand quickly right now? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Anyone else? Quickly, quickly, quickly. You can put your hand down once you've raised it. Anyone else? Quickly. Seven people have raised their hand. We love you. God loves you. If He's dealing with your heart, you know it. Your heart beat. It, why is my heart beating so fast in my chest? It's because the Holy Ghost is saying, lift your hand. Lift your hand. Don't miss out on what God has for you today. Anyone else? Quickly, before we pray, lift your hand. Would you join these other seven? There's another. That's eight. Anyone else? Anyone else? Quickly. Praise God. Church, stand if you will. Stand if you will. I've heard people say this before, and I'm fixing to prove to you how wrong they were. I'm fixing to prove to you how wrong they were. They say things like this. Well, just saying a simple prayer like that doesn't make any difference. Oh, yes, it does. How many, how many would agree with that? Raise your hand. Oh, yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. If you say it from your heart, number one, God's going to hear it. I said God's going to hear it. Then he's going to respond to what you pray and bring strength to your life. Church, eight people have raised their hands. Twelve last week, that's 20 people in the last eight days. 20 people. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Now let's pray with them. Amen? You ready? Here we go. Heavenly Father, right now, openly and publicly, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. I declare He was virgin born, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, rose from the dead. I believe it. I receive it. I accept it in all of its glory and all of its power. Heavenly Father, areas of my life that do not please you, you know me. You know my weakness. You know my struggles. I ask your forgiveness, thanking you that the blood of Jesus is applied to my life, cleansing me from all sin, 
and all unrighteousness. As I stand November the 7th, 2021, in the auditorium of Island Church, I am saved, born again in the family of God, an overcomer, a new creature, the righteousness of God in Christ. I'll never be the same. Devil, you look at me. In Jesus' name, get out of my life. Jesus, look at me. I'm yours. You are mine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am born again. In Jesus' name. Now shout and thank God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Praise God. Now don't forget tonight at 7, our prayer class. Be sure and come if you possibly can be here. Come and pray with us. Learn about prayer and pick up the spirit of prayer. Amen. Father, thank you so much for this day. We bless your name. We glorify you. We exalt you. As we leave today, as is our tradition, the tradition of Island Church, we pray Psalms 91. Not, Lord, we know some of our congregation is not here this morning. We include everyone who names the name of the Lord Jesus with us. Thanking you. No evil befalls us. No plague comes near our dwelling place. The angels of God have charge over us. Lord, we thank you. A thousand could fall at our side. Ten thousand at our right hand. Only with our eyes shall we behold and see the reward of the wicked. We thank you, Father. In our travels on the highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way we travel, thank you that we're protected. The righteous labor of our hands as we handle resources you've given us, thank you for wisdom. Lord, in our, in our, in our finances, help us to keep what we have and to increase and be blessed. Thank you for every business, every person in the job, every ministry represented. We call them blessed, blessed, blessed in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that on the inside of us, you stir the spirit of revival and evangelism, not waiting for a breakout service at a church, but going everywhere in our own world and spreading the goodness and love of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you, Lord God, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love toward you. Lord, we leave walking as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. We thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you this morning as a congregation and a family for our dad, for pops, for, for the awesome, awesome example of righteousness he left us. He is part of the heritage of Island Church, Rusty Martin Ministries, In Him Ministries, and every other ministry that he has touched in his life. Father, he didn't just go to heaven. He came to your reward. And we thank you for the years you gave us with him. Lord, as we leave today, we walk in love one toward another. Thank you for our church family. We thank you as we leave today here at Island Church. We are covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.